0: Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Good morning. Well, this is the last time you'll see me looking like this Um, in a couple of days' time. I'm going for the first time in my life to the optometrist. Um, I'm literally becoming blind as a bat. So uh, next time I speak, I'll look smarter which is possibly to my advantage, I'm not sure. Um, But look, we are ending the series today on James chapter 5 and when I told the staff I was going to do the first few verses, they said, why would you do that? So that got me a bit nervous, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a go at this, so we'll see where it all goes. James does talk about a lot of different things throughout the book. There's so many different topics, but you know, for some reason I really felt like this is where, where to go with this. So let's start with um, reading the first six verses together. By the way, all the verses that I do today are on our app. And so if you download our app and have a look at that, you'll be able to see all the different verses today. So you don't need to worry about writing them down there. All there, as well as all the notes from my message. You can go on there. You can grab all of it. James chapter 5, verse 1 to 6 says, Look here, you rich people. Do you think he's in a good mood? Look here you rich people weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags your gold and silver are corroded the very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire this corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify you on the day of judgment for so listen hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You've spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Question, who'd want to preach on that? In March 2015, going back, thinking of remembering Pete, Not going to talk about the football, though, I assure you. I'm in no position this year to do that. In March 2015, I went away with Brad Smith to the Cricket World Cup final at the MCG. Now, we bought the tickets a year earlier, so we took a punt here because we didn't even know if Australia was going to make the final, let alone in the end they actually go and win it. Now, Australia gets to host this um, World Cup, every about every 24 years and so I thought you know what if I'm going to do this if I'm actually going to go to the final I'm going to do this properly so um we went and got platinum tickets 295 dollars a ticket at the time and I've got the got my ticket there took a photo of it exactly where I was sitting we had amazing views We're at a great height. If you know anything about cricket, you want to be sitting pretty much behind the bowler's arm. So when they bowl it, you can see where the ball's going. And that's pretty much where we were. We're on the end of an aisle. That's really important when you go to a sporting event, so you can get in and out of the aisle when you need to get food or drink or go to the toilet. And we got that club caviar moment. And that's that feeling you get when you go past the plebs in general admission and you know I'm not sitting there. And then you go past the bronze, and you're like, Yeah, I'm not sitting there either. You go past the silver tickets, and you go past the gold, and you finally arrive. And you can see some people watching as you make your way from those areas to here. And you get that little bit of pride, don't you? If you ever do that, it's a wonderful feeling. (laughs) And as we made our way to platinum, it was the ultimate. I was living the dream having grown up never experiencing anything at all to do with living the high life, I finally felt like I had a taste of it. And I sat in my seat and I remember looking around and looking out, seeing how much better my situation was to everybody else's and it felt so good, I felt so important, I was on, I really was on top of the world. And for a brief moment, I actually knew what it was to be a little snobby, and I liked it. (laughs) So that lasted 30 minutes. Because what happened was, I did notice, but I didn't really pay much attention, that we're sitting here on the end of an aisle, and this is all our whole platinum area, and there's an aisle right here. And just two metres to the left of me is the next group of seating. And there was basically no one sitting there, no one. It was basically vacant. And it, I just noticed something out the corner of my eye, and I started paying more attention as I realised there's white cloths on these seats. Like we're sitting on plastic seats, they've got white protective cloths on the seats. And I thought, okay, that's a bit different. Interesting. I then got this horrible realisation that I'm not in Club Caviar there must actually be a higher class. <laughs> what is it? Palladium? Uh, diamond? I, I wasn't sure what it was. And then all of a sudden, right on the end, because there's myself and Brad aisle, one seat, was this guy and he came and sat there, the first guy that had sat in that whole area. And I'm like, who is this guy? I've seen this guy before. I, I'm not sure who he is. We worked it out. We started doing a bit of, you know, checking on our phone and typing different names. We worked it out. It was uh, at the time, um, sorry, he was a former Fremantle Dockers coach called Damien Drum, and I think he was a politician at the time. But then, sitting near him, I saw a guy called James Brayshaw. Then I saw Simon O'Donnell and Merv Hughes, and then I saw Eddie Maguire, and then I saw Steve War. And then there was James Sutherland, who's the CEO of cricket, and, and about 100 other, I counted, prominent sporting stars. They're all sitting right near us. That's right, we were right next to the VIP section. We were right next to the best seats in the house and you'd probably think I should be really happy about that. Well, I wasn't. (laughs) Because as the day went on, I really started to get annoyed. First of all, I watched as they left during the lunch break to their corporate area behind the seats and I could see them eating their first class meal on the other side of the glass laughing, probably laughing at us in platinum, I don't know, <laughs> not sure. Anyway, they're laughing, they're having fun, I'm getting envious, and they're probably, you know, oh, look at them sitting about there, they don't have covers on their seats, filthy vermin. A few minutes later, a few minutes later, some ushers come along. Now, see, that, see to the left, my head looks pretty big, doesn't it? But to the left of my head, see that lady there, she's an usher and they've got these ushers, I'm not joking, they're like manservants that are there. And what she was doing, I watched her, and they would go through each of the, across all the seats, and they had a brush, and they'd sweep them all clean, clean up all the seats, and then clean all the rubbish off the ground for all of those seats. They did all of that. And on top of that, these people kept coming around all day, they were just giving them unlimited drinks. Drink after drink after drink. And then later in the afternoon, they came around with Magnum ice creams on a, on a metal tray. Would you like a Magnum ice cream? And to top it all off, I thought, they have so much money. All of these people are well-known people. They are pretty well-known people. They've all made a lot of money. And they could afford to do this every day of their lives. And yet here they are, and they're getting all of this for free. And so the point was, I was very, very annoyed. Now, isn't it pathetic that I can sit in an $800 million stadium in my $295 platinum seat and whinge about how unfair life is? (laughs) But you see, this is what happens to us when our focus is on what we do and don't have. It leads us to just wanting more. I had the best I'd ever had it, and it wasn't enough. And that is not the life that God is wanting you and I to live. And James addresses this desire to get more and more stuff in James chapter 5. Let's go from the beginning again. James 5.1, it says, Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Now, Why is James having a go at rich people? You know, what's wrong with them? Is it wrong to be rich? Well, I'm clear this up. There's nothing wrong with being rich. Abraham was rich. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being rich. James is not having a go at anybody for being a rich person. That's really important that we know that. James knew, uh, would have known some very wonderful, godly, wealthy people. I'm sure of that. But he also knew the temptations and the battles that rich people face. You know, Jesus said when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. If God expects if God gives us a lot, he expects much more from us. He expects us to be much more generous, he expects us to be much more of a blessing to others. And clearly, the people that James is writing to must be failing in this area. Look here you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotten away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. Here's the bit I want you to see. This corroded treasure you have hoarded. Now, interestingly, previously, if we read, when we're reading the book of James, when he's talking to these people, he says uh, things like, um, now brothers, but now he's calling them, you rich people he's upset. I think he's probably angry in a sort of a righteous sort of way. And it's not because they're rich. He's not angry at that. He's angry with what they're doing with their riches. Because what they were doing was benefiting themselves. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify you on the day of judgment. It's pretty full on what James is saying. He's basically saying you might be pleased of yourself now. You might be happy with all that you've achieved, but you wait till judgment day. God is not going to be happy with you. I don't know about you. That's pretty full on. Now, let's get something clear. James is not saying you're going to go to hell for what you've done. He's not saying that. Because you were stingy, you're going to hell. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you will not be judged for your sins. Your sins were judged when Jesus went to the cross. That is dealt with. But we will. We will the Bible says, be judged on our works and our ministry. We will be judged on that. If we've been faithful, doing the things that God has called us to do, we will be rewarded. And the Bible is equally clear if we've been unfaithful and if we haven't been doing what he calls us to do, we will lose rewards, but not our salvation. Is that clear? And 1 Corinthians, I think, puts this best. It says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be me. I don't want to like be going to heaven through the skin of my teeth and like, yeah, you made it. You didn't. You weren't that great, but you made it it's not really that's not what i feel god's calling us to do with our time here on earth to just sneak in so james is saying if you're rich and when we put what our lives in relation to the bible can i tell you we're all rich in relation to the bible you are rich when they talk about poor it is nothing like you and i know to be poor we are all rich And God expects us to share it. All that God has blessed us with is not for us to sit on, nor is it to just spend on ourselves. It is to be shared with others. Paul said something similar. He said in 1 Timothy 6, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. I love that verse. Jesus said something similar in Matthew 6. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will also be let's say i've got an old car and it's getting pretty old and so i decide i'm going to go and replace it and so i've got this old one and i've now just parked it in the car pole, under the carport and it's just going to sit there and slowly rust away because you never know one day might go up in value so i'll just hold on to it next door To me, there's a single mum. She can't even afford to buy a car. And I'm watching her walk her kids to school each day in the rain or sun, no matter what's happening. She needs a car. And I've got one I'm just letting rust in the garage. And I'm aware of the need next door. Let's say I'm aware of it. I've seen this need. And yet it never occurs to me that I should do something to help that person. And if that is what's happening, I should really be taking a look at what's going on in my heart. Because I think that's what God's talking about here, where we have more, we have more than we need, and yet we sit on it rather than address a need that is so blatantly obvious to us. So the message, I think, is clear. James is saying, don't store up everything. Instead, actively, actively look be a blessing to others actively look for ways that you out of your wealth can help others is that okay let's move on then the second part of this that's the first part that's the first three verses not too bad James 4 James 5 4 to 6 for listen hear the cries of the field workers who you have cheated of their pay the cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You've spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves to the day of slaughter. You've condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. And as we've said already, God doesn't really like people just building up wealth for wealth's sake. It's you can't take it with you, we know that. And it's, it's a pointless exercise. And equally he doesn't like it when people go and take advantage of others, particularly the poor. The field workers in this story are being ripped off. They're supposed to be paid at the end of each day. That's how it worked back then. They lived day to day. They're supposed to be paid at the end of each day to feed their family. But the bosses aren't paying them because the owner's greedy. The owner is self-focused. The owner actually doesn't care. Doesn't care that the workers have no food to feed the family. Doesn't care that they go home and the kids are hungry and crying. The owner knew that those workers had so little rights in that world that it didn't matter what they did. There was no union they could go to. There was no fair work they could go to. They could go nowhere to seek justice. And so they're just taken advantage of. You know, if you, if you cause a stink, I'll just get rid of you. Because they would pay them from time to time. But this particular employer was just not paying them every day. And we can look at this and think, what a horrible... What horrible people to do that to the poor, to to do that to anybody. But I think the message of James is this. If we're not careful, this can be us too. It all starts with how we see ourselves. So the question is, do we see ourselves as owners or as stewards? So this is an owner. An owner basically says, you know, I decide what happens in my life. Basically, I'm in control of my life. Everything I have is mine. It's not God's. I can do whatever I like with it. It's mine. Everything I have, it's because I earned it. And therefore, I can keep it. If that's what I want to do, that's my business. I answer to me. Whatever I do, I'm in charge. I make all the decisions. That is an owner. If you want to talk about, that's one way to look at our situation. This is the type of rich person that James is talking about. But as Christians, I truly believe we're not meant to be owners. We are called to be stewards. Now, this is a steward. Now, look, at, I want you to compare the difference as we go through this. With a steward, God decides what happens in my life. He is in control. I belong to him. God decides. It says in Romans 1.6... And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. If I belong to Jesus, if I can get my head around that, that is life-changing. I'll give you some examples. Who will I marry? Becomes God, who do you want me to marry? There's a big difference between those two things. Who I would choose and who God wants me to, to marry could, make, could be a world of pain a difference. What will I study? Becomes, God, what do you want me to study? What do I want to be? Becomes, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Where should I go? Becomes, Lord, where do you want me to go? How much should I give? Becomes, Lord, how much do you want me to give? Everything, num- that's number one. Number two, everything I have is yours. Everything is God's. Everything I have, as far as a steward's concerned, everything I have belongs to God. He owns it all. Now, when new Christians hear about this idea of tithing or even offering that we give, I've heard many people over time be very shocked that that many of us would give 10% of our our offering or 10% of our our money to the church. And, And I've had some people then come to me and say when they hear this, like, do we have to do that? Do do I have to do that? And of course you don't. You don't have to do anything like that. But what I would say to people is, I think you shouldn't look at it like that. I think we're looking at it the wrong way. If we're looking at it like that, we're looking like an owner, that we own 100% and do I have to give God 10% of my money? You have to look at it like this. Everything I have is god's because god actually gave me 100 percent of what i have i'm not actually giving god anything i'm just returning a little bit of what he's actually given me i'm not gifting him anything everything i have belongs to god my days belong to god i know i don't determine how many days i'm on this earth he does i i might think i can i can earn all this money in the next 30 years yes if you're here I don't determine this stuff. My family belongs to God. My assets belong to God. And when I see it like that, I become far more grateful for what God has given me. Everything I have, that I, everything that I have is a gift. Paul asked um, the church at Corinth, in, in 1 Corinthians 4, he said, what do you have that God hasn't given you? What do you have that God hasn't given you? It's all a gift. Well is it i mean i paid for my car i hope you did i'm sure you did i'm sure you paid for your car but how did you pay for it well i worked hard sure you did but who gave you those skills and abilities and natural talents to be able to go and make money who gave you the ability to think it's all a gift from god we've been blessed all the things that i have everything that i have it's not from it, it it's all god where was it made on earth what's it made of it is made of materials from the earth who made the earth it's all a gift from god in after church we can go and enjoy a delicious coffee who created coffee beans who gave me eyes to be able to see that pretty little heart that sits on the top of my coffee and I go, oh, that looks nice? <laughs> Who gave you that sense of smell that you can just, whoever gets a bag of coffee beans and puts their nose up to it, some people go, that's weird. <laughs> I don't do it with the church beans that often. <laughs> Who gave you the taste buds to actually enjoy coffee? like it's all a gift if we look back far enough everything that you and i have is a gift from god it's not ours my kids are a gift the people in my life are a gift the opportunities that i've had in my life and that you have had they are all a gift god set things up to have the things happen in your life the opportunities that you've had the possessions i have are a gift the resources in my life are a gift the days in my life are a gift eternal life that's a gift in every other religion, you've got to pay for it. You want to get to heaven? Here's what you've got to do. You've got to do this, 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 this and this. But Jesus goes, no, I'll just give it to you. He gives his love. He gives his grace. He gives his mercy. He gives his forgiveness. He goes to the cross. He gives his body. He gives his blood, as we've heard this morning. He gives his dignity. He gives everything that he has. So everything that we have spiritually, physically and relationally is a gift from God. Number four, I answer to God because He is in charge, not me. Thank God for that. If I belong to God and everything I have is His and I see everything as a gift from God, then I'm starting to think like a steward. The only thing I'm missing now is that I now need to go and act like a steward. Lord, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to bless? It's not a question of do I need to, how much do I have to bless someone? Lord, how many people do I have to help? Lord, who do you want me to help? You see the difference? A good steward realises that if everything I have is God's, then God should get to decide what I do with it. Because, you know, what's really important here, God doesn't care about how much we have. He cares about what you and I do with what we have. That's all he cares about. It's what you do with what you've got. As we saw at the beginning in James 5 1, can I have the music team come? James is angry. James is annoyed and he says, Look here, you rich people. Because James has got some godly poor people who are giving generously. And then he's got some rich people in the church, rich Christians who are thinking like owners instead of stewards. They're not thinking about what they can give. They're thinking about what they can get and they're hoarding their wealth and defrauding people. And I think there's only one cure for this. Where people are caught up in hoarding and defrauding, the only way you can break that is by giving. Only by giving do we start to break down the power of selfishness in our lives. Giving is extremely powerful. How did Jesus conquer the power of sin? Satan, death, and hell, by giving. By giving himself as a sacrifice. We don't give to get a blessing. By the way, you and I should never ever do that. We give to be a blessing. You know, you probably heard this morning about our little house in Myanmar. Our little house in Myanmar. It's a bit bigger than this one, but it's actually a big house. And I, I am so if proud is okay to be proud in in sense of 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 a church accomplishment. I don't know theologically if I can say I'm proud of you, but I am proud of what this church has done, if that makes sense, in Myanmar, because this church has invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into a community of true poor people with the expectation of nothing in return. Nothing in return. We did not enter into Myanmar to get a blessing. We went to Myanmar to be a blessing. And I think that needs to be mirrored in every area of our life with the people that we come across, with the church that we're a part of, with our workplace. No matter where we are, we should aim not to see what can I get out of this situation, but how can I be a blessing in this situation? That will involve, involve our time, our money our praise our worship our whole life if we're giving back to god i think it comes down to us realizing just how generous god has been to us and that's how we have to see it people and i'm sorry this morning if people look at it and think i don't really like what he's saying i'm just telling you what the bible says you can take it away and say i dismiss it that's your business um i hope i've given you enough scripture to back up that this is what god is saying club caviar oh sorry james 5 5 says you've spent your years on earth in luxury satisfying your every desire to me you know that's club caviar it's all about me it leads to selfishness and me looking out for me making sure that i'm okay and instead i believe we need to be part of club christ It's all about Christ, which leads me to generosity and leads me to looking out for others rather than just myself. I want to read this verse again. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul said, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So my, I guess my heart for the church is that we are a church of stewards. We don't need owners in this church community. We need stewards, people that are prepared to make the decision that God is going to lead my life and my family. God is going to make some decisions. God's going to make all the key decisions. Everything I have is God's. Everything I have, I recognize it's nothing great from me. God could take it away in a snap of the fingers. Everything I have is a gift from God. And so, God, you're in charge. It's confronting. It's scary. Because you think, well, well, I don't know what God will do. Sure. But we have to trust that God is good. I tell you what, I'd rather trust God than me. I want to leave that those thoughts with you i really encourage you over the next week to get on the app read through these verses that we've gone through again today and say lord if there's any area in my life that um i'm still i guess i'm still owning rather than being a steward can you please point that out to me (coughs) can you give me that little kick up the backside that we all need from time to time including me i need it as much as you We all need to kick up the backside sometimes as the Lord just points it out and goes, this, you think you're the boss. Quit it. And then Lord, help me then to respond with an act of generosity to break that horrible thing that I've been doing. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.